We are in the middle of a series on Ephesians. And Ephesians is a great book that talks about what it means to be the church in many ways. And we've been looking at Ephesians specifically through this lens of what it tells us about being a healthy church body with Jesus Christ as the head. If you think about the brain, without, without the head, the body can't really do very much. Can we agree on that? It's very difficult to function without a head. Uh, and we believe that Jesus is the head of this church, Jesus Christ himself. That he dwells in this place by his spirit, and we have been called his body. Uh, that biological metaphor. And the scripture we read last week says, we are all together growing into the head of the church who is Christ as each part does its work, right down to every supporting ligament. Sometimes in the church, certain people get lifted up above others, pastors, not going to mention names, you know. <laughs> um, or different, different pieces that are more prominent get lifted up above others. But you have to understand, every part of the church is vitally important. Uh, you, let's say that, um, at the very best, I'll say the, the preacher is like the love handles of the body. You know? <laughs> I don't know what part, if we were going to use that biological metaphor, but, you know, loving, you know, I put that together. You're loving, shepherding. You could have all these different prominent people in the church somewhere in the body, arms, legs, strong parts. Without the supporting ligaments, the body falls flat on the ground. The church falls flat on the ground. Every person in the church, you know, is so vital. And that's why we keep talking about pray to God about what your place is in this body on exit 15, this, this place that you call home, and see what he tells you. And, uh, and we, we'd love to have you and, and create the space for you to do the ministry God's calling you to do. So today, we're going to be reading in Ephesians 4, beginning in verse 17. I really like what the Lord gave me in terms of titling this sermon. I really felt the Lord put this phrase on my heart. And uh, it's, find your fight. Boom. I, I, I edited that picture and made it black and white. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah. Find your fight. This is uh, a topic I feel like me and my friends, us, the Christian, Christian community, have many times fallen into a place where we feel just helpless. Like we can't overcome sin. We can't move forward. We're just going backwards and we're, we're feeling defeated. But I feel like God's word for us is find your fight in the scripture. And uh, we'll see if that becomes evident as we look through it. So starting in verse 17, this is Paul writing. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles. Gentiles are uh, non-Jewish, non-Christian people. Don't live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of Of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality, and that could mean, you know, anything with the senses, taste, sight, um, anything. Given them over to the the sensuality, the celebration of the senses, above all else, so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. It's a pretty dire situation to be in. 
Paul is saying to the church, don't live in this way any longer if you've been living in this way because you have something in Christ that these people don't have. It says in Hebrews 10.22, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. So here we see in, in Hebrews, and there's another place in Ezekiel 36, that talks about God giving us a new heart. When we've come to Christ, we've been given a new heart. Our heart has been sprinkled clean. Amen? We have been given a clean heart. And these people that Paul is writing to have also been given a clean heart. However, Paul is saying, it's possible that even with your clean heart, you could live as the Gentiles do. And it's a pretty dire uh, thing. Uh, They have futile thinking in verse 17. They have darkened understanding. And they're separate from the life of God because of ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Our hearts have been softened and cleansed by Christ, so we don't have the heart problem. But we can still fall into some of these behaviors. Let's read on. Verse 19. Um, This is taking it over the edge. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. And this is really speaking to just the progression and nature of, of sin. You know, we have a very, we have a hardware problem, uh, us who have lived in the world any, any length of time, where, you know, our very thought processes, our hearts, um, they, they've become damaged by participating in, in sin. And the nature of sin is that you kind of just keep going with it. <laughs> Like, as you get on the path of sin, you keep going with it. And like, just like any, any drug that a, a, a drug-addicted person would be, um, would, be, would be addicted to, there's a continual need for more, more and better, more, wow, you know, a, big, a bigger effect. And, and people, you know, people wonder all the time, how did this person fall so hard and so fast? We didn't know there was anything wrong. Well, there was something that you didn't see that was going on over a long period of time that brought them to that place. You know, there's a continual, there's a progression of sin and darkness that spirals down and down, and people lose sensitivity, which means they, they, they start to really not really know which end is up. They don't know right from wrong in many ways, and they're, it's very bad. It's a bad progression. Paul is saying, don't live this way any longer, uh, as those with hardened hearts do. And so uh, he goes on in verse 20. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. I think today's sermon in this passage really addresses a problem that all of us have. And so, like I said, for me, it was a learning experience to look at this passage afresh. It was like a fact-finding mission for me. Today's passage talks about how we battle with sinful behavior or what we do in our bodies that does not honor God. So this is talking about putting off the, 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 the flesh with its desires and all that stuff, um, the, the sinful actions that don't honor God, and putting on Christ. That's what this passage is talking about. Now, in our culture, and even in Christian culture, the way that you extinguish 
behaviors that are undesirable or things that things you do in your body that don't honor Christ is by trying hard not to do them anymore, you know? Um, we try really hard to, to, to not do these behaviors. Uh, we, we say, look, there's things I know that, that kind of cause me harm spiritually that I do with my body. I want to honor Christ and, and live a righteous life as a Christian, uh, so I just need to try hard not to do these behaviors, and we try really hard not to do them. And uh, unfortunately, how well does that work for most people to try really hard to change things about themselves, even Christians, to exert your will on your own self in order to change yourself? How, How well does that usually end up working? Interesting thing about Christianity is it starts with helplessness. We are dead in our sins. We are dead in our sin, transgressions and sins. We're saved by sheer grace, by a gift of God. While we are still in sin, Christ died for us because he loved us. And he not only has forgiven us of our sins when we look to him, but he has given us the righteousness of Christ. That's grace. That's what we start our faith with. But many times, we try to finish the job in human effort. <laughs> we think... You know, I'm forgiven, I'm free, you know, I, I received the gospel. Now, I, now I'm going to finish the job on myself by trying to be a better person, trying to change these different behaviors about myself. But the truth of the Christian walk, of putting off the old self, as this passage talks about, of being made new in the attitude of our mind, um, putting off the old self, the old stinky junk we were wearing before, and putting on the new stuff in Christ, um, this is something that we need to do by grace and faith as well. Not just our salvation, but our walk with God. And something that was very, the the one thing that was so illuminating to me in this text is that where we tend to go to behavior modification, I need to change this thing I do with my body that doesn't honor God, I need to change this behavior, the scripture goes to the mind. The battle is not to change behavior primarily, it's to change your mind if you look at, look at this language, this was so illuminating to me. Look at how many words are using thought in the mind. Uh, as far as knowing your fight goes, the fight is in the mind. The fight is in the mind. It says, I tell you this, insist on in the Lord. You shouldn't live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They're darkened in their understanding, separated from the life of God because of ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth. That is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your mind, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So you see the battle is in the mind. Uh, that, that's where the scripture is definitely identifying it. The, the people that live in this way where they're sinning and sinning and going down the spiral to destruction, you know, the, bat, the battle's in their mind. Their, their mind has gone numb and they're just going down. Um, and the salvation uh, is come by, by fighting the battle in the mind, continuing in grace the way that you began in grace. Um, something that was, I was reminded of this week by a friend. You know, we tend to, in, in the progress of life and trying to change our behavior, uh, 
in, in dealing with temptation and all that kind of stuff, we tend to ask the question, you know, why? Why am I tempted this way? Other people don't seem to have this problem. Um, why, do I, why am I dealing with this thing, over, the same temptation, over and over and over again? Why am I, you know, falling? Why do I fail over and over again? Why, 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 why? And I think what this scripture is saying is, know your fight. Know where the fight is taking place. And take some authority as you're walking through life so that God can transform your behavior. See, we, cha- we change our minds to match the truth of our hearts, which results in a transformation of behavior. That's the progression. We change our mind, our way of thinking, to match the reality of what Christ has done in our hearts, and the byproduct is our behavior will change. If you begin with your behavior, you will always fail. But Jesus said, all the bad stuff comes from, proceeds from the heart. That's where the bad stuff comes from. Dealing with behavior it's not going to work. Uh, it's not going to work at all. It starts in the heart. So we have to change our mind to line up with the reality of what Jesus has done in our hearts so that our behaviors can change, so we can honor God with our entire lives. So how does this look in practice? How does this battle look, this fight look in practice? The thing that I've seen is that when the whispers of the enemy come into our ears and tell us to participate in, thing, in things that are dishonoring to God with our body, behaviors that are dishonoring to God, we need to, in those moments, not say, oh, woe is me, why is this happening? I'm speaking to myself right now, too. Not, woe is me, why is this happening? Have kind of a whining fest of like, why, why, is, why am I being tempted? Where is this is coming from? I'm struggling with this so much. We need to take authority in those times. We need to take authority over our mind. That's where the battle is. We need to take authority over those thoughts. We need to say, I might be tempted to do this thing, and it might be something I've done millions and billions of times in, in, my, in my walk and been forgiven of millions and billions of times in my walk, and I'm feeling this whisper in my mind of, of, to try to draw me to this behavior that dishonors Christ. But the truth is that my conscience and my heart has been sprinkled and cleansed by Jesus. I am cleansed, forgiven, and free, and this has no place in my life. And it's just a matter of taking your mind back. Because these attacks are basically just coming at you one by one. Um, bam, bam, bam. And the enemy knows how to get you down. The enemy knows how to, how to strike you. The only defense you have is the battleground of your mind, taking back your thoughts, taking your thoughts captive and making them submissive to Christ and, and making them bow to the truth of who you are in Jesus rather than, rather than being like, oh, this is happening again. I always fall when this happens. Oh, I'm going to fall. And then falling. It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy to the max. Uh, but we need to take the reality, the truth of what Jesus has done for our hearts. Let that transform our mind. And that's the only way we're going to deal with these problem kind of behaviors. So number one, we need to look to Jesus to forgive, forgive us of our sins and cleanse our hearts. And this is something that only God can do. This is the gospel. This is the gospel message. Two, we need to find our fight when temptation comes our way. This is a fight through faith, remember. Believing what God has said about us over all else, no matter what. This is our part. We partner with the truth of what God has said about us, and we're able to fight this battle in the battleground of our mind. And number three, as we practice standing in the truth, when we are tempted, our behaviors will follow suit. In other words, as we stand in the truth of what God says about us and our position in him, and we do not give ground to Satan and the enemy and our flesh, which is trying to pull us away from 
the righteousness God is calling to us as Christians, as we practice standing in that truth when we are tempted, our behaviors will begin to just extinguish themselves. Because the battle is in the mind. It's not, about, it's not primarily about your anger problem or your lust problem or your drinking problem or whatever other beha- thing we do with our body that does not honor Christ. The problem is in your heart, in your mind. And those are the things that Jesus specializes in. Jesus has, God has already made provision for, for you to be forgiven and set free um, from, from the power of sin and death. But we have, to, we have to kind of instruct our minds to follow suit with that. We have to say, when those thoughts come along, look, this is not who I am. I am forgiven and free in Christ. I am sprinkled clean. My conscience is clean. I have a new heart. This is not who I am. And I reject this in Jesus' name. So in coming back to our scripture in Ephesians 4, listen to this one more time with all these thoughts in mind. And think about this. I just want you, I want you to, to take... A, a proactive stance in your fight for righteousness in your life. I don't want it to be we're victims of our flesh, victims of the enemy, victims, you know, thrown around uh, in, the, in the ocean of life. I want us to take a firm stand against the wiles and the temptations of the enemy of our soul who's trying to steal, kill, and destroy from us. I want us to take a proactive, aggressive stance against this enemy so we're not living in defeat. So, so Paul says, I tell you this, insist on it in the Lord. I insist on it, that you no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking, that they are darkened in their understanding and separate from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. Paul says it and insists that we no longer live in this kind of way? Will you take an aggressive stance with your life and insist that you're not going to live this way anymore? Will you look at things that you've accepted as being, this is just how I am, you know, this is something that I was exposed to at a young age, and I can't stop, and I'm having these, I have these behavioral things, these things I do with my body that don't honor Christ, uh, and they're just a part of me. Are you willing to reject that and say, look, the gospel touches every part of my life. I've been forgiven by grace and now I'm not going to stand for this anymore. I'm going to insist in the Lord that I don't live this way anymore. I am going to take a stand the way that Jesus took a stand for me. Are you willing to do that? I think that Paul is being very emphatic. He wants us to make this our own. He wants us to find our fighting voice. He says in verse 20, You did not come to know Christ in that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. Paul is saying, look, you've been instructed not to live in the way that was previously spoken. You need to put off that old life, which is being corrupted and being destroyed and dragging you down, and to take a stand for yourself, to take a stand for righteousness, take a stand for what Jesus took a stand for you for. Jesus took a stand for all of us. He did his part. We need to find our fight and take a stand for ourselves in faith and say, you know what? In faith, I believe, even though these whisperings and these attacks that are assailing me, uh, in faith, I believe what Jesus says about me above all else, and I will live in light of that reality and not in the reality of the lies that are around me. This is something that I believe God is calling us to. So as the worship team comes forward to close us uh, in a song, This is the challenge I want you to take to heart, uh, that we would be a people who find our fight, 
who are, don't try to continue in human effort what was begun in faith, but that we would fight the battle in faith, that we would believe uh, what God has said about us above all else, that we would stand up, that we would rise up against the enemy and say, sorry, I know you want me to do this thing, and you've been pushing me to do this, and I've done this a lot, but this is not who I am. This is not who I am. Jesus has made me a new creation with a new heart, and that's what this is all about. It's all God's work from first to last. Our salvation was by grace. As we stand up underneath the attacks of the enemy, as we stand up underneath the pulling of our flesh to, to do things with our body that do not honor God, this, the challenge from Scripture is to put off the old and take on the new self through Christ. And that is also, hear me, the work of God. By faith, we take hold of what Jesus gave to us by his shed blood on the cross. By faith, we receive it. We receive it. We say, Jesus, I believe I'm a new creation in you. I believe that what was true of me previous to coming to you is no longer true of me. What is true of me is Christ and his righteousness. And I, in faith, will hold on to that. I will fight for that in my mind. Come what may, I will fight tooth and nail to hold on to that truth, that thing which you have died to give to me. I bless you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The things you've struggled with in your body, in your behavior, um, things you do with your body that you're not very proud of, that you can't seem to stop. I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that those chains would be broken. As you engage on the level of, of, uh, of faith, believing God's promises, taking them to heart, and you stand up underneath, and you say, I will not budge. I will not budge. I will not budge. Jesus is Lord, Lord of all. Lord of all. I bless you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You are dispersed. Go and be the church.